In late November, Tom Wolfe, the governor of Pennsylvania, vetoed a bill which would have protected Down syndrome children from destruction in the womb. We're joined today by Katie Glenn, Government Affairs Counsel at Americans United for Life, to discuss the situation in Pennsylvania and her efforts to protect unborn children with Down syndrome across the country. I'm Tom Shakely, and this is Life, Liberty, and Law. Welcome to Life, Liberty, and Law. I am Tom Shakely, and I'm excited to be joined today by Katie Glenn from Americans United for Life. Katie, welcome back to Life, Liberty, and Law. Great to be here. And we've also got our own Noah Brandt with us as well. Hope everyone had a happy Thanksgiving. All right. So, Katie, let's get right into it. What is a PRENDA law? The Prenatal Non-Discrimination Act, or PRENDA, is a piece of legislation that protects the unborn from being discriminated against based on categories like race, sex, uh, diagnosis with a some kind of genetic disorder, and that includes Down syndrome. So these are laws that say that just because a child is diagnosed with or has some sort of perhaps unfortunately quote, unwanted characteristic, that is not reason enough to abort that child. Okay, so Katie, why are Prenda laws necessary? Well, in the case of Down syndrome, which is what the Pennsylvania law was addressing, we know that over 70% and maybe up to 90% of babies who are diagnosed with Down syndrome in the womb are aborted in the United States. And around the world, that number is even higher. In parts of Europe, virtually every single child diagnosed in the womb with Down syndrome is aborted. Yeah. And of course, we're told in reporting on this, uh, you know, that these countries have supposedly sort of solved in some sense these diagnoses as if they've cured a condition. Um, But that's not what's happening there at all. Absolutely not. And people with Down syndrome need to be welcomed as they are. We're living in this moment that's both the best and worst time for people with Down syndrome. If you look at life expectancy, it's doubled in the last 25 years. There are more educational resources, There are more workplace opportunities, but those are only for the few people with Down syndrome who are even born. The abortion rate is so, so high that basically you have to get to birth to be able to take advantage of those opportunities. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you think about the existence of prenatal testing. And, of course, this is a key driver for what's happening with uh, abortions based upon ability or disability status, for instance, where... Uh, physicians or others will encourage a mother to do certain types of prenatal testing um, that are valuable and legitimate, you know, for diagnosing and and, and potentially treating uh, conditions before birth, things like spina bifida, which they can now address even in utero. Uh, Cleveland Clinic and other places have amazing videos that show how this is done successfully uh, to ensure that when a child is born, uh, it's fully healthy. So there are valuable reasons for prenatal testing, but the dark side of them is that they can threaten the health and the life of uh, the child and the mother in some cases. 
As you touched upon, Katie, you know, in some cases there are error rates for such testing. It can be used as a precursor for aborting a child based on undesirable characteristics, um, whether that's genetic abnormalities uh, or defects or more insidious things just like gender or race. And these are things that the Supreme Court's still working through. Uh, they're things we're working through as a society. And in Pennsylvania, of course, Tom Wolf has stopped in its tracks an attempt to rectify uh, what is clearly a social injustice, the idea that you can target certain members of the human family for extermination, frankly, based upon their characteristic. What are we to make of this? Well, we as a society have done so much to try to be inclusive and welcoming and provide opportunities for better quality of life for all members of our human family with any type of developmental disorder. But unfortunately, far too many people think that that only starts at birth. So the legislators in Pennsylvania and activists in Pennsylvania disagree with that. They see that as something that starts well before birth. It starts at the moment of diagnosis. And unfortunately, Governor Wolf disagreed with them. And I really think he's wrong. When Pennsylvania Governor Tom Wolf vetoed this life-saving bill on November 21st, he offered pretty specious reasoning for doing so. And I'll quote him here, quote, I am not aware of a single disability rights group that supports this bill. I support continuing the bipartisan work that's been done to help people with disabilities. I also believe there is much more Pennsylvania could do to help women and families facing complex pregnancies. However, this bill does not aid in either of those efforts, unquote. Katie, you say Governor Wolf is wrong. Why? Well, for starters... There is a law called the Down Syndrome Prenatal Education Act. It's also known as Chloe's Law. It was started by a family in Pennsylvania, Tom Wolf State, and it was passed in Pennsylvania in 2014. And what this law does is it provides information for women and families who are receiving a prenatal diagnosis of Down Syndrome for their baby. It gives them information about where they can access resources through the state that are available for young families who have a Down syndrome diagnosis of one of their children. And it makes it basically so that when a doctor is giving a woman a diagnosis of Down syndrome, it's not coming from a completely negative place. It's not coming from a place of, well, you should just abort this baby, which we have documented proof that happens way too often, but it's providing opportunities and resources so that that family understands that they will not be alone with this difficult diagnosis. Because even though people with Down syndrome live happy, fulfilled lives, it is a challenge. And for young parents who don't necessarily know very much about Down syndrome, it's probably can be kind of scary. So the state is trying to help them with that. So that was a law that was passed, signed into law in 2014 under the previous governor in Pennsylvania. And that's the kind of bipartisan work that he's talking about here. The PRENDA, the Prenatal Non-Discrimination Act, covering Down syndrome is just the natural extension of that. It's showing that not only are there resources available and life is worth living for people with Down syndrome, but we're going to make sure in Pennsylvania that people with Down syndrome have the right to life, that they are able to even get to that point of birth to start living happy, fulfilled lives. It has to start with the right to life. That's the foundation for all of our other rights. There are so many patients' rights, disability rights group that are in favor of laws like this one, laws that Katie, Katie's talking about, Prenatal Non-Discrimination Act. 
Kurt Condrich and his daughter, Chloe Condrich, they run an organization called Chloe's Foundation, which is all about advocating for people with Down syndrome and trying to protect people with Down syndrome in the womb. Uh, Kurt says this, quote, ironically, in the age of hypersensitivity to discrimination, prejudice, and inequality, popular culture has actively encouraged parents to discriminate against disabled persons in the womb. And he's talking about people like his daughter, right? Like Chloe, a 16-year-old girl with Down syndrome, who that law that you were talking about, Katie, which informs people of Pennsylvania, Chloe's law, that's what these things are about, right? About protecting people with Down syndrome. Yeah, absolutely. I would encourage Governor Wolf to talk to his constituents in Pennsylvania because they have been active on this issue now for several years, at least since 2014 when Chloe's law was passed. I would encourage him to reach out to any disabilities rights groups, including Down syndrome advocacy groups. Uh, Look online, search it on YouTube. There are great, great clips out there of people with Down syndrome who are their own strongest advocates that they are living happy, healthy, fulfilled lives and that they're making a difference in their communities. And I think to cut the opportunity short through abortion is a real tragedy. That's right, Katie. You travel to so many state legislators across the country, talk to hundreds of state legislators, governors and their staff, that type of thing. And, you know, I, I've, I've talked to quite a few myself. All it takes to sort of be an effective politician or, right, a statesman, if you want to elevate it, is to listen to your constituents, right? And so when you have someone like Governor Wolf, he has this bill that was passed by the state legislator that is saying something so simple. It's not banning a majority of abortions. It's not passing extreme restrictions. It's saying that you can't terminate a child because it has a disability, This also protects mothers from the reality of misdiagnosis because we know the percentages, as you've mentioned, Katie, of folks who are incorrectly diagnosed. We have situations where a family member or a friend uh, was pregnant, ready to welcome a new child, and was told that their child would have a certain condition, uh, and the baby was born without that condition. So, you know, what this bill is is really, in a sense, a patient protection law. Uh, And I think you see sort of the, the flippancy of the discussion at the, at the present moment, you know, Lieutenant Governor John Fetterman in Pennsylvania, just before the veto uh, came down from Governor Wolf's desk, uh, posted about this on Twitter, that he is uh, 100% going to veto the hell out of this bill and that it's, quote, a mood of Fetterman. So classy, real classy. He's, he's trying to sound like he's Gen Z, I guess. But, you know, this is this is the, I think, intellectual seriousness with which Governor Wolf and Lieutenant Governor John Fetterman approached this issue, right? Which is to say that there was no intellectual seriousness behind it. It's hard to look at this and say that this is anything other than just uh, two politicians acting in lockstep with a lobby that promotes uh, zero restrictions on abortion for any reason and ultimately isn't concerned with patient protection because this was an opportunity to do both of these things uh, and they just punted on the issue. Absolutely. It's so destructive when you hear about this abortion on demand for any reason rhetoric. I know recently NARAL put out a statement saying that they actually support sex selective abortion. You could abort your child for being a baby girl and NARAL would be okay with it because that's how extreme they go on this issue. And I think how dystopian really not very feminist. I would say, uh, It's just, yeah, it's alarming to say when you think on demand for any reason, for any reason. 
uh, disability, sex, race, anything at all. And it's, it's pretty scary. So I'm glad to see that the Pennsylvania legislature cares about this. I hope they keep caring about it. Uh, four other states passed prenatal non-discrimination laws in 2019, and we expect to see more states introduce them in 2020. And I think that's great. I hope this comes back around in Pennsylvania. But really disappointing that Governor Wolf chose to veto this bill. So you mentioned the states that have this now. Uh, can you tell us what, what those states are? Sure. So Ohio, Utah, Missouri, Indiana, Arkansas, Kentucky, Louisiana, and North Dakota have all passed prenatal non-discrimination laws covering various different categories. Um, a couple of those are currently enacted. A couple of those are in the litigation process. But in all of those states, legislators and their governors made the commitment to protect life before birth. What's the state of play upcoming in 2020, Katie? Is this a pretty hot issue? Like as you're talking to state legislators, are we going to be hearing a lot about prenatal non-discrimination acts across the states? It's absolutely something that legislators are still very interested in. And part of that is like you mentioned, Tom, it's because most of us know someone who has had either a misdiagnosis or they are someone who believes in life and even if they've got a correct diagnosis they don't want to be pressured towards abortion by their doctor which unfortunately happens way too often so some of the drive towards this coming from legislators is because of those personal stories some of it is just because they see this as the right thing to do they see it as a human rights issue that extends into the womb yeah, this ultimately brings us back to a conversation that's been taking place for more than a century. Um, basically, a eugenic conversation, because in the countries where there are virtually no children, for instance, born with Down syndrome each year, you know, literally less than a dozen in some cases, you're dealing with a eugenic practice. Again, the targeting and extermination of a particular population for whatever their characteristics that have been deemed undesirable. Um Eugenics was pretty firmly repudiated over the course of the 20th century across multiple regimes and cultures, and yet it's being embraced and practiced now in you know allegedly developed countries. Uh, so it's hard to hard to make and sense. Celebrated, of how that's not only practiced, celebrated. Yeah, I mean, as you point out, Katie, when this is held up as if it's a you know a, a feminist issue, there is absolutely nothing progressive about deciding that a certain group of people does not deserve to live. And I think it's alarming that in this country and many others in the developed world that is being treated as part of the progressive agenda. I want to play a quick clip, uh, which is audio of a gentleman named John Franklin Stevens speaking. He has Down syndrome. This clip got shared wi widely on social media last year. It's him speaking to the United Nations on sort of what it means to have Down syndrome and the problems that, quote-unquote, eradicating Down syndrome has and how he feels about it. Finally, we are the canary in the, in the eugenics coal mine. Genomic research is not going to stop a screening for Down syndrome. We have an opportunity right now to slow down and think about the ethics of, of deciding that certain humans do not do not get a chance at life he said it all right i mean he's he's 
a person. He's declaring his personhood. He's saying that people should not have the prerogative to tell him that he didn't deserve to be born and that it is the canary in the coal mine. It's just the beginning. It's not going to start with people like him. It's going to go to other classes of people, right? We know from our history that the moment we target one group and we say that there's one group of people that we can single out and treat differently, let alone treat differently in this particular way, in such a dehumanizing way, that things get worse and worse. This isn't a slippery slope argument, you know, as those are often uh, kind of held up for ridicule as if it's uh, catastrophizing. Um, This is a reality affecting people today. And the fewer and fewer people we have in our lives and in our communities um, because they're absent, because they've been lost as a result of these eugenic practices, unfortunately, I think the easier it's going to be for so many of us to sort of intuitively or implicitly accept the idea that well, yeah, maybe there is nothing wrong with something like prenatal screening um, to target certain populations because we're not going to see the folks there who could witness to us and show us uh, their their humanity, their equal dignity in the way that this young man did at the United Nations. I mean, if you just think about our history, 100 years ago, eugenics was pretty common practice in this country. 80 years ago in Europe, we saw a genocide of people with all kinds of developmental disorders. And it felt like we'd gotten so far away from that to now turn back towards it and accept this for people in the womb is is pretty sad, pretty scary. Yeah, Wesley J. Smith has been on Life, Liberty, and Law in the past and has addressed this point, which is that as the degree of one's vulnerability increases, so too does our responsibility to be there to care for them, to help provide for them, to welcome them in as members of the human family. It doesn't decrease. It increases in accord with the increase in their need. That's what hospitality looks like in a culture. Charlie Camosi has talked about this. Many people uh, have touched on these themes over the course of uh, life, liberty, and law. So, Katie, what is your message for state lawmakers coming up in the upcoming legislative sessions? Well, as we look at legislative priorities in 2020, I know it's going to be a busy year. We've got elections on all levels, but these types of laws are so important. They are life-saving. They matter. So if you're in a state where you've got a legislator that a legislature that is supportive of this, that's open to it, you've got a governor, great, let's do it. Let's pass this law. Please call me. I would love to talk to you about how we can make that happen. And if you're in a state like Pennsylvania where that's tough right now, I think it's still worth talking about, it's worth introducing, and it's worth stating on the record that you support life, including in the womb. That's beautiful. Well, thank you so much for the work that you do and the work that is coming up in these sessions. It's important and critical work. We're going to be busy. All right, Katie, as you know, something we do every episode is our shot of gratitude. So you ready? What's your shot of gratitude? Well, I just got back from spending a week with my family in Iowa. Midwest. Wonderful. (laughs) Very good. So I'm grateful to be back in uh, D.C.'s slightly warmer weather. And I'm really excited to do Christmas things. I love Christmas activities like ice skating, going to see the lights. So I've got a packed December full of fun activities. That's awesome. And how about you, Noah? Well, like Katie, I got back from the Midwest, from good old Missouri. It was a great time. And you know what I'm thankful for? I did a little bit of Black Friday shopping, which gets a bad rap. But 
Everyone in Missouri was Midwest nice. There was no trampling. Everyone was very sweet to each other. It was a nice collection of older people and younger people and people of all sort of different heritages. And it was a real sort of American coming together. Everyone had just eaten a giant. You're meal, just now in a Midwest now sales we're shopping. Pitch. You know, <laughs> so it was it was a it was a great American moment of once you're full with turkey, you then go buy, you know, seven flannel shirts for $13. <laughs> Katie, I think you and I need to check and see if he's getting like checks from the uh, Midwest Tourism Commission <laughs> or something. Our- I'm surprised he came back at all after that. <laughs> Maybe you both should. I don't know. I can't be bought. <laughs> I see. I feel privileged at, after hearing about your guys' Thanksgiving because I was just able to take a train up to the Philadelphia area. And so it was a shorter trip. But uh, I do love this time of year. I always think of uh, one of the best movies, I think, for the holiday seasons is Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. I don't know if you've seen that. Oh, great movie. John Candy, Steve Martin. Yeah, that's right. So it's uh, I, I always like watching that. And then you've got uh, a few others. Uh, it's a Wonderful Life, of course. Great, great Christmas film. Muppet Christmas Carol is my favorite, and I will probably watch it a dozen times and then during the season. Also a great one, yeah. Miracle on 34th Street. Home Alone 2, Lost in New York. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Featuring our president now. That's Who knew? Right. <laughs> that's right. Well, that's awesome. Katie, thanks for joining us for this conversation and walking us through this important issue, and I hope that this continues to gain traction and impact and save lives in the upcoming year. Thanks for having me. All right, if you enjoyed today's show, please give us a rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Rate the show and leave a review. Tell a friend about us. Let them know you've discovered life, liberty, and law. If you have any comments, questions, or suggestions, email us at life at I'm Tom Shakely, and until next time, thanks for listening to Life, Liberty, and Law.